Ah, uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's the Evolution of Movies show. I'm Jack Farber. He's Andy Rossi, and he's wearing a Chicago Bears hat. How you feeling, Andy? <laughs> well, it's uh, we're recording on a Sunday, uh, I think our first time, so I got to support my Bears. Fields is not playing today, though, so it, we're, we're, it's going to be a loss, unfortunately. Yeah. I can see the future. Well, that's a safe bet when you're talking about the Bears. So <laughs> I think true. that's a good move. Uh, but something, something that's not losing is this show. Ooh. And I say that because we have a special guest this time that is an actual honest-to-goodness film critic. Yeah. So this will be a fun one. Let's bring on Zaki Hassan. Zaki, you are the co-host of the Movie Film Podcast with Brian Hall. And... You're an actual film critic with the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Thanks so much for having me. I am I'm a little nervous here. We do these <laughs> shows, but it's Uh-oh. just random yahoos that are reviewing the movies hey. with us. You, you actually know how to review a movie. I, I assure you, I am the randomest of yahoos. So <laughs> no worries there. Not to be confused with you who's, which we'll be talking about. Oh, just a well that's good. I like that. <laughs> so for anyone who is new to the show, this is the Evolution of Movies show. And what it is, is we watch a movie and then we talk about it book club style. But we call it the Evolution of Movies because we always pick a movie that came out one year after the last movie we watched. So started in 1980, went to 1981, 1982. Now we're all the way up to 2016, a time when movie theaters were filled with the hits like The Founder, like La La Land, and of course... Bad Moms, but we aren't talking about any of those. We're talking about Nice Guys, a movie IMDb describes as in 1970s Los Angeles, a mismatched pair of private eyes investigate a missing girl and the mysterious death of a porn star. Zachy, had you seen the Nice Guys before and what were your thoughts going into it this time around? Yeah, I uh, I actually I got to watch uh, the press screening of it uh, a couple of days before it came out. So I I absolutely adored it, you know, um, and and it was absolutely crushing to watch. Uh, very few people go see it, you know. It mm-hmm. it was, but it but I'll tell you, it was one of those things. I was like, this movie is not going to play, and it will become a cult movie that people like years from now people like hey you know i just saw this movie it was really good you know so i i sort of i predicted the future i was like that's what's going to happen here Mm -hmm. and so you know ever since then you have people who are like man we should have got like three more nice guys movies and and i'm i'm totally down with that but i'm also like you know but we got the one and isn't that something That's, (laughs) that's the way i look at it Right. It's and, you know, sometimes it's better to quit while you're ahead, you know, instead of making the sequel. That's terrible. And then it ruins the first one. Uh, (laughs) But you're right. I'm kind of surprised even looking back on this one that it wasn't a bigger movie. When you look at who was in it and like just the fact that it was a great movie, it feels like the buzz was around. The premise is interesting. It felt like it had everything you would want from a a good, well-performing movie. Uh, But Zachy, this is where we play a little game, and this is where, Andy, I want you to tell me what you thought about the movie going into it this time around. But also, Zachy, this is the game. Andy is going to try to predict or guess the Rotten Tomatoes score, and then you have to guess whether or not the actual score is higher or lower than what Andy (laughs) guesses. All right? So, Andy, what did you think going into this one, and what do you think the Rotten Tomatoes score is? Well... For one, you said La La Land came out the same year. Ryan Gosling was was killing it. 
you would have thought yeah. people would be like, oh, I saw La La Land. Now I got to see this one, too. But yeah, it was weird how, like Zachy said, no one really went out. to. I, I never like talked to anybody much about this movie. I saw it on an airplane and I was like, this is amazing. Like, so like disappointed I didn't get in on the hype when it first came out. Um, I thought it was great. Love uh, both of their performances, Russell Crowe and Goss Ryan Gosling. So I think it did good. I think critics rated this pretty high would be my guess. So I'm going to go, man, this is a tough one. I'm, I'm going to say like, like 85, 86. Let's go 86. Final answer. 86. You'll be devastated if you find out the actual number is 85. Is 85 but, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but Zach, 86 is a pretty solid score right out of the upper echelon of, of movie reviews. Now, it didn't do commercially great, but do you think critics thought it was better than 86 or worse than 86? I'm going to say like 88. 88, so Oof. slightly higher. Yeah. Rotten Tomatoes has this movie sitting comfortably at 91%. Oh. <laughs> so it's right nice. up there with the Raiders of the Lost Arcs of the wow. world. They really love this movie. And, you know, as we're talking about, I wonder if maybe people confused this movie with the other guys instead of the nice guys. And maybe there was a little bit of branding. Quite different. Very different movies. But I'm trying to I wonder if I I mix them up, actually, in my in my head sometimes when I think of which one is which. And I wonder if there was just movie because I can't remember when other guys came out. Was it about the same time? Uh, It was about about three, four years earlier. Actually, maybe 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 even I feel like it's like 2010. Oh. Well, maybe I'm just totally I, off. No, <laughs> but I, I think you're I think you're onto something, though. I mean, I think the name, it's not mm-hmm. it doesn't really jump out at you. It's kind of generic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kept it, calling it good guys. Even with my wife, I'm like, I got to go watch good guys tonight. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not even the name of the movie. <laughs> it, it's also one of those names that doesn't really play into the movie whatsoever. Like Mm-mm. I would and I would never think of them as nice guys as I'm watching this movie. But in any case, that's that aside, I saw it a few years ago and I really liked it. This is actually like right up my alley as far as movies I like, where you mm-hmm. have uh, a bunch of stuff going on, characters that are interesting. And I love the characters that just don't care about anything. And they'll just like they don't care about being socially awkward or whatever. And that's what this movie was full of. So I really liked it. I was really glad I, we got to come back and watch it. And I'm excited to to deep dive into do it. it before we do, though. As always, I like to say thank you to everyone who's listening on iHeartRadio, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, who's watching it on YouTube. Like, comment, share, subscribe, five-star review, all that good stuff. Let us know in the comments what you thought of the movie and what you agree or disagree with us about. It's always fun to go back and read those and ignore the mean ones, but <laughs> let's put a little thumbs up next to the nice ones. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Pretend the bad ones never happened. Right. <laughs> so let's get into this movie, shall we? It's uh, it's the 70s. And if you didn't know it, it, we got some 70s music to tell you that it's the 70s. But not just the 70s. It's 1977. A kid is looking at a nudie mag of Misty Mountains when a car drives through his house. The kid checks things out and it's Misty Mountains herself dying from the fiery crash. Later, we're introduced to Jackson Healy, a guy who you hire when you need to have someone beat up. And Hall and March, a... PI who doesn't hesitate to take money from old ladies when he knows their case won't be solved. Amelia wants Jackson to get people to stop looking for her, and Holland is one of those people 
So Jackson goes to Holland's house and beats him up until Holland decides to quit the investigation after Jackson breaks his arm. <laughs> Zachy, tell us about the world we are about to inhabit and the characters that live in it. Well, we get the greatest uh, movie scream of all time. <laughs> yes <laughs> from, from ryan gosling i mean it, okay. <laughs> I, think I, I think i i could just watch that clip of just <laughs> his arm getting broken and whatever whatever emanates from his mouth uh again and again and and i think i think to that point you can see why both russell crowe and ryan gosling wanted to do this movie because it, it's asking them to play against their uh predominant you know persona at the time yeah, it, that was exactly what I was thinking. Watching this is usually Ryan Gosling's Mr. Cool. And uh, even Russell Crowe was like, you know, he's glad. I was thinking of him as Gladiator, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. Right. and now they're kind of losers. And Gosling's <laughs> kind of an idiot. And uh, it, was, it was very, you're right. It was very different from what they were supposed to do. By the way, that scream, I broke my toe recently. And let me tell you. <laughs> It's an it's not an accurate accurate screen. A very accurate sound you make when something like that happens. Uh, But Andy, um, I wanted to talk about uh, I guess both these characters. Uh, Holland, he's I guess kind of an idiot. Cuts himself breaking into a bar. Jackson's wife has left him. They're both kind of losers. But as I alluded Mm -hmm. to earlier, they're very good at their job because they neither seems to care about rubbing people the wrong way yeah no it's great i i was watching just being so jealous especially of the ryan gosling character i'm like i would love to play something like <laughs> similar to this just his his character just cracked me up the whole time the scream was funny because my wife was like in the other room and heard the scream and she's like what was that i'm like that was ryan gosling that dream boat that was him uh but there was one part maybe you guys could help me answer this but uh, the little boy in the beginning reading the nudie mag. Mm-hmm. Do we ever see him again? Like that little boy is just because I at first I hadn't remembered this movie that well because, like I said, I saw it on an airplane and uh, I thought maybe this was like a flashback of like Gosling as a kid or something. Like when I first saw it, I was like, OK, then we're going to flash forward and he's older now. But they kind of just had that kid see the the porn star and he didn't he kind of helped her. Right. He like put like a, a shirt yeah. over her, maybe. I thought that kid was going to come back. And that was the only thing in the movie that I was like, they never really came back to that. Like, why did that happen to that boy? But I guess he was just at the right ish and wrong ish place at, at a time when, how old was that kid? Probably 10, 11. And a nudie girl just winds up on your doorstep. Yes, she's dead. Ooh. <laughs> I, I was watching that thinking, uh, have you ever heard something like you're sleeping? You kind of hear something in the middle of the night. You're like, I should go check it out. But, Nah, I'm going to leave it. I was thinking mm-hmm. that's clearly what the kid's parents did when a car drove through their house. They were like, did something happen? Nah, I'm just going to stay in bed where it's warm and cozy because the parents were nowhere to be found. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Deep sleepers. <laughs> they have uh, their uh, white noise machine on really loud. <laughs> that but, that actor, uh, I, I believe he's the same kid in Iron Man 3 that Shane Black did a couple years earlier. So, Oh, really? Um, really? And and it's all yeah. It's so I I feel like it, he's probably just in there as a little like oh if you follow this guy's filmography you'd recognize this guy. Yeah, there might be something to do with Iron Man a little later. That's right. 
Absolutely. And <laughs> we have a uh, now I did want to ask real, or talk real quick and Zachy send this to you. I love the little character developments of these guys. Again, they're both very capable, but they're both very small time. Uh, but also you have the little side of Jackson who takes things a little bit more seriously, but isn't an actual P.I. And his kind of desire to become a P.I. gets started here where he sees Holland's house and says, you live here as a P.I.? It's kind of a fun little <laughs> like it kind of tells why he's interested. It, it, it builds why he's interested in working with Holland, even though Holland's an idiot. Yeah, you know, the the character, I I remember even uh, the first time I saw it, I was like, you know, you, you can sort of imagine him being uh, a, the the decades later version of the character that, that Russell Crowe played in L.A. Confidential, mm-hmm. who is, is very similarly is kind of, he's just like, he, he's a cop, but he's just a leg breaker. He's, mm-hmm. he's a blunt object, and he's like, I want to be a detective, you know? So you you see the parallel, and then this this movie... It invites the parallel because you got Kim Basinger in there, right? Uh, asking you to think about that. So I, I, I see it's 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 part of this through line, but it's very interesting because because between those two films, between you got roughly twenty years between L.A. Confidential and and the Nice Guys, and it's right. sort of it's like the range of of all the different characters he's played, and he ends up at kind of the same place. <laughs> right. <laughs> Their scene together is so funny. Like yep. just just Gosling like not giving up on trying to grab the gun. He's like, I forget what he's saying. He's like, you give up? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he like tries to go for it again. Which just these small little character details that that make them seem like real people, but also is just funny and uh but I think actually does kind of show you the kind of person he is because he is again, he's a loser, but he's very tenacious and he doesn't give up and he does Mm -hmm. maybe push beyond where he's supposed to. Um, We actually see uh, Jackson heads home with some you of his own. uh, When two guys go looking who are looking for Amelia, knock him out. Then the two guys are interrogating Jackson when a bank bag explodes in one of their faces, making his face permanently blue. Jackson uses a distraction to get a shotgun and chase off his captors. Meanwhile, uh, Holland is telling Lily Glenn, who says she saw Misty, that Amelia is a dead end and Misty is dead. But Lily cuts another check. So maybe the search isn't over. Holland heads to the ki- to a kid's birthday party. And while on the toilet, Jackson finds him and eventually <laughs> offers him 400 bucks to help find Amelia. Now that Jackson has been attacked himself. Holland explains that Misty Mountains is Lily Glenn's niece and she thinks she saw Misty after Misty's death, but after some detective work, Holland thinks she actually just saw Amelia. Andy, I just want you to walk us through this toilet scene because this was just <laughs> a delight. Hilarious. Yeah, their, their scenes together are, I mean, I don't know, this is like old school like comedy. I don't know. It's just so funny. Um, but his... What is he's got like notebooks on his lap and he's got his gun and like it's just like a whole thing because he's so vulnerable you know you're on the, on the can trying to also be tough and like trying to show Russell Crowe like he's got some you know he's got some balls and then he's like turn around I could see you there's a mirror here like it's just so funny um I wanted to mention one more thing I forgot last time that I, I put in my notes um Ryan Gosling um is so so funny in this I think but one part in the very beginning that made me laugh, I wanted to make sure I mentioned, is when he puts the the towel over his hand and tries to break into that bar. And then yeah. he just cuts his 
arm. He's like, blood, blood. And he winds up going to the hospital. I think that's just like a perfect way to describe his character. And, and I love the, the sound effects. You can hear the blood just squishing. <laughs> so good. Because there's, there's such a... Like as a few as a film watcher, I think what makes that special is you say to yourself, like, yeah, you could wrap your hand up and punch the window, but then yeah. you see him as if you were actually trying to do that. Like, I have no idea how to do that. <laughs> right. I, probably, I probably would cut my arm open. Yeah, uh, and so it's a, it was funny, but it's almost a very real, like, yeah, that's how it would look if you tried to punch out a window. Uh, it yeah. would not go as smoothly as you think it would go. Uh, yeah. He had a great line here, uh, Zachy, before I toss it to you. I just wanted to say, uh, at the birthday party, one of the kids goes, you took the Lord's name in vain. And he says, no, I found it very useful. Okay, Janet. Janet. <laughs> <laughs> and it just, it just made me giggle so much. But, Zachy, I want to talk uh, to you about uh, when the daughter shows up, and it's, it's Holly, Holland, and Jackson all together and they have a lot of back and forth dialogue here. And to Andy's point, the chemistry between these three, this little group, is just so perfect. Like they just nail it. I, I love yeah. this little group. Yeah, and and especially the, the performance that that Shane Black gets from Angori Rice. I mean, I I tend and and I think just generally he he gets good performances from kids. And I'm I you know I tell my my partner on my show all the time that uh, there's. I I'm I'm averse to kids in movies. I call it dumb kid syndrome. Whenever a kid shows up and they're a little too precious, and you're like, no, that you're you're acting, you know. And I think Angori Rice just she she's uh, she has this worldly energy, but she's still a kid, you know. And somehow finding that balance in and it she is she does end up becoming sort of uh, the glue between. Uh, Jackson and and Holland, you know, and and you realize that as the movie progresses. Yeah, and I love that you say that because you're right. She's kids are kind of tricky, I think, in movies because you're right. They do either become too cutesy or they become too smart for their own good. That's where right. you're like, come on, you're, this is a kid, but she does a very good job of skating that line of being smart, but also she does get herself into trouble uh, yeah. doing silly silly kid stuff. Uh, the last thing I want to touch but, on but here, it, it oh, makes sense. Sorry, it, yeah. it, her character makes sense that her dad is Ryan Gosling to me too. It's kind of like, hmm. yeah, she probably had to grow up pretty quick because he's such a doofus, and like, <laughs> uh, and and he probably wasn't the greatest. Like with watching her, you know, she's probably snuck out and all that kind of stuff. But uh, you know, she's probably a little bit more responsible than he is. Is the funny thing too. Yeah, it's. But I do want to talk about Jackson a little bit. There was a little bit here where he was getting interrogated. And uh, the guy later known as Blueface says he uh, or he starts killing the fish. And Andy, this is where uh, Jackson says, look, I get it. It's business. You're supposed to come here and rough me up. But now you made me angry because <laughs> you killed my fish. And I felt like this was a very important character beat in showing that Jackson does have a code of ethics he lives by. Like He doesn't take anything personal. But if you make it personal, he does live by that. I love that scene. Yeah, because he's just basically like saying, like, I get it. I know what you're trying to do. I'm involved in this world and I get <laughs> it. But don't mess with my fish, man. And I was getting sad every time. I'm like, oh, it's poor fish because you, you get you get him feeding him in the beginning. You're like, oh, look at him and his little fish. <laughs> and I start <laughs> feeling bad for the fish. Uh, but I, yeah, that scene's great because it's kind of like I get it. He's like, I respect you. That's your profession is roughing people up. I'll take that. 
But now you just, what do you say? <laughs> now you made an enemy, you know, with the fish stuff, which I thought was good. And Jack, trivia for you. Uh-oh. Blueface was in a movie we just reviewed. Do you know which movie he was in? No. Who, what one? So he was John John in Southpaw that we just saw like last week. No way. Yeah, because I, I looked yeah, him up. Yeah, because I was looking at him like I couldn't tell who he was, but he was such like a gross character. I'm like, who's this guy? <laughs> and I looked him up and it was uh, I forget the, the, the actor's name, but he played John John in Southpaw, who was like this really sweet guy. And I'm like, what a great actor. <laughs> like this to be like <laughs> two completely different roles. But because he was so swarmy as the uh, blue face. And then in yeah. Southpaw, he was such a sweet guy. I love when actors can make me not realize they're in the same thing. That, that's always such a good sign. The blue of... paint, probably. <laughs> I think that, that's the, the nice thing about being a character actor is you can just glide into one movie to the next and and you're never hard up for work. Right. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah, good stuff from him. And also, he also talked about a John Boy in this one. So mm-hmm. not connected at all, but whatever. <laughs> trying to connect dots here. Uh, so the duo go together to a protest group that Amelia started to protest pollution. The dead people, <laughs> the dead people there tell the two that Amelia isn't there because her boyfriend died for real three days ago. Jackson and Holland, along with Chet, go to Amelia's boyfriend's house and it's all burned down. And a kid on a bike says the boyfriend made porns and Misty Mountains was there. On the drive home, they see a billboard for Sid Shattuck, the guy that the kid on the bike had mentioned. Holland calls the party on the billboard and uh, they say that Amelia will be coming back. So Holland and Jackson head over with Holly in the trunk unknown to them (laughs) at the party. Earth, wind and fire is played and the group try to find Amelia. Jackson looks through a dressing room and finds an address in an empty film case. Holly chats up some porn stars and Holland falls off the balcony and rolls down a hill where uh, (laughs) Amelia sees him and he finds Sid Shattuck's dead body. A woman Holly meets puts her in a car of blue face as chaos erupts. Jackson fights Keith David and Amelia and Holly run off into the woods after blue face shoots at them. The valet mistakenly tells Holland that Holly is in the car with blue face. So Holland steals a car of his own and chases them down. When blue face catches Amelia and Holly, he gets hit by a van. Amelia runs away, but Holly stays to help the injured blue face after a warning of John boy coming to kill everybody. Jackson strangles Blueface, and after the incident, the police show up, and so does Amelia's mom, Judith, who is with the Department of Justice. Whew. That was a lot of stuff. But, <laughs> a lot of stuff. Uh, a lot of good stuff. Exactly. Uh, the reason that chunk was so long is because it was a big chunk of the movie, but also so much of the stuff does later kind of play into the next thing, so I felt like I couldn't just skip certain parts. Right. Um, but uh, I just want to talk about Sid's body being found uh, and the way that Holland and then eventually Jackson deal with it and throw him over a fence. <laughs> well, well, first of all, it's nice to be Shane Black and you can just uh, call RDJ and be like, hey, <laughs> do this thing. And I mean, when you really think about it, uh, Shane Black is the one who resuscitated Robert Downey's career. Uh, there probably would be no Iron Man uh, or Robert Downey as Iron Man, if not for Shane Black making Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. So you can see why uh, <laughs> they would have that connection. But I also want to mention uh, Ryan Gosling doing a pitch-perfect Lou Costello impression. 
um, mm -hmm. which if not for the scream earlier in the movie would be the funniest thing he does in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was so much, so much stuff happened here. Ryan Gosling, hilarious. Um, but I want to, uh, again, we, we go back and a lot of big stuff happens here. We find out Andy, that pollution is being protested and, this is something obviously that comes back later and is part of a bigger story that we get to later. And there's a lot of stuff in this movie is, you know, me, I love it when they start something and then they call mm -hmm. it back later. And there's a lot of those little seeds planted during this chunk of the movie. Absolutely. We definitely got to go back a little bit and talk about Gosling falling down. Cause that was my favorite part of the movie, but <laughs> uh, the, the everybody's dead from pollution is so funny. It, this it, what they do in this movie, I feel, is they call out like the absurdity of some things. So even that, he's like, "Well, what's with the gas mask?" Well, or, you know, they like question it. Like in today's society, I feel like you're just like, "Okay, people are, you know, demonstrating whatever." You go, oh, "Okay," but like to actually like call it out is like pretty funny. And uh, I love this line. Ryan Gosling says, "Which one of you cock and balls wants to make twenty dollars?" And one guy is just like, "Yep," and then it leads to. As Zachy mentioned, Shane Black uh, is great with directing kids and letting them say like some funny stuff because that little boy on the bike, man, just talk about <laughs> seizing the moment, talking about his big dick. And so funny. He says, I got a big dick. And Ryan Gosling says, so that's, or no, Russell Crowe says, that's very nice. <laughs> just so funny. So silly. But it, I mean, it, it wasn't like he said it and I was like, no kid would ever say that. I looked at that kid and i'm like yeah that's yes, how that kid talks to totally people. and and how he just like gave up all the information he could you know just for some money which which again of course a kid would do it it was that balance of entertaining but realistic because even like how chet goes hey they'll give you 20 bucks if you tell them and he's yeah. like i didn't say i was gonna give him 20 bucks <laughs> <laughs> but that's how people would talk which is which makes it work but it's also entertaining uh and i also love how throughout all this no one ever really like sells what anyone else says like when the kid says i've got a big dick no one's like what there's like yeah okay no matter what anyone does it's like no one reacts to it but like in a funny way like okay you got you got that but um and speaking of that uh at that party <laughs> you see the guy dressed as pinocchio he says something like <laughs> It's not just my nose that grows. <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> Pinocchio. But that party, was Earth, Wind, and Fire at the party? Like, it seemed like they were there. That's there what like I think. That, I believe so, yeah. That was the, the what they were implying, yeah. What a party. That seemed like a really fun party. Kind of like a Boogie Nights-esque uh, party, where it just seems like everybody's having a good time, but they're all probably on drugs. Well, Zach, yeah, well, I, I want to ask you this, because I was thinking this when I was watching the movie. What is it with movies like pornography and seventies always seem to be related in movies. Like if you're using, if you're talking about one, the other is almost always involved in movies. Like I, I feel like you can't make a seventies movie without some level of the pornography industry being involved <laughs> in the movie and vice versa. If you're going to have any type of pornography, you've got to reference the seventies in some way. They, they're just so connected for some reason. That that is interesting, and and uh, you know I, I think all of us are '80s kids, so mm -hmm. uh, that that's not something we see as much of when we see movies sort of nostalgically looking back at uh, the '80s. Although I guess there's there's a little bit, but uh, yeah, yeah, it 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 does make me wonder because you know there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I wonder if it's for them to know that. Oh, I was gonna say for even them to know the names too, like to be like Misty Mountains. Oh yeah, and her poster was like on like a legit like movie poster. I'm assuming nowadays (laughs) porn stars aren't on movie posters outside of real theaters. Yeah, it's such a great point. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, people like would recognize her. Like, oh, that's so and so. Like, uh, you know, like if 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 this tragedy happened today, no one would be talking about it. Oh. Well, that's I, mean, I mean, it's like, you know, like growing up, I don't know about you guys, but like I knew who Ron Jeremy was. <laughs> right. 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 And and yeah, it's it, and there's no reason for me to have known that at like whatever <laughs> 13. Right. Right. So that that definitely speaks to a time pre-internet when it comes to pornography, where yeah. it was less accessible, but more known, weirdly. Yeah. Makes, yeah, I mean it kind of makes sense. I feel like even like with movies back then there was like, you know, not many movies so there wasn't that many actors. Now it's like there's a plethora of you yeah. know, trying to keep track of who's who in movies is, is a little bit more challenging. I I do want to say and well and Zachy this is kind of the last part I'll talk about on this is uh this is where for me the movie really shows how flexible it is in making this a a comedy crime movie with stakes as well like people are getting yeah. shot there's fights happening like it's not just a goofy movie but it's fun it, it does a really good job of just balancing all these different aspects into one movie and this this scene with gosling like swimming after the mermaids but then also finding a dead body but it's also robert Downey jr thrown over a fence uh <laughs> but also you know fighting with Keith David, uh, David Keith or Keith David? I always mix it. Keith David, David. There's a David, David. Keith there, there out there too. Though. <laughs> oh, okay, that's why I'm mixing it up. But I don't think I ever got his name, but uh, but anyways, Zachy, just it's a fine line they walk here, yeah. being able to do all those without feeling like they're being insincere to one of them, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think what you said about stakes is so crucial, right? Like we we enjoy ourselves, we laugh, but we still have to feel that there is an actual sense of danger. And I, I think at this point for Shane Black doing this in a movie, it's just, he's adding to his own level of difficulty just to challenge himself. Cause he really invented the buddy, the buddy movie. And I think, I think ever since then it's like, okay, I'm going to add this factor and this factor. And you see like kiss, kiss, bang, bang. He did one thing. And then here it's like, I'm going to, you know, it's it's like I'm. You know, he's he's juggling chainsaws while spinning plates on his head. You know, and he's just so good at it. He's just right. so good at being able to stage all of that. You know. Well, and well, he's got, he's got yeah. two great people too. Like I like I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, just the difference between Russell Crowe and Gosling. Such a great like buddy, uh, buddy movie. I I wish there was a sequel because man, I would love to see these two again. But Ryan Gosling yeah. falling off that balcony i laughed so hard and i knew it was coming but i didn't i forgot how comical it was like he's like go ahead shoot me and then uh like i said my wife was kind of walking in and out watching and she goes she's like did he really fall and i'm like oh yeah and then you look and then just the way because it's so funny because in most most things you see if you see somebody fall like that they probably just fall into some bushes or something but he like goes tumbling down this like giant hill and then it just so happens that he loses his gun and then he sees the girl it's just so funny like just just very like slapsticky humor and like zach you mentioned the uh luke costello kind of 
callback. Uh, just also funny. He just does such a great job of that. It just, I was laughing. <laughs> it was definitely like my favorite part. I just thought it was so perfect for his character. There was a great throwaway line too by uh, Russell Crowe where <laughs> they go, he's like, what are we going to do? And he's like, well, we're going to throw up and then we're going to get rid of the body. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and when they get rid of that body, that's hilarious. Like I've never yeah. seen that in a movie where they just throw it over a fence and it lands on like what some people like having an outdoor get together. <laughs> right. There's like, ah, let's get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Run. <laughs> so if, it feels like the movie gets cut in half. And this is like the second part of the movie after this where, uh, they go to Judith's office and she tells Holland and Jackson that she is fighting Detroit in regards to catalytic converters and is also an anti-porn advocate, which she believes has made her daughter, Amelia, think that Judith is trying to have Amelia killed. So Judith hires the two to find Amelia and let her know that she's not in danger is what Judith says. The next day, Jackson shares the note he found in the film canister and says it means Amelia is getting on a flight. Holland says, no, that's actually a hotel. So they go to the hotel and they find out that the hotel is gone. So they head to the airport and there's actually a hotel at the airport. The bartender says Amelia is up in the penthouse and John Boy has already headed up there. The duo go up to see what's going on and decide to head back down once they see what's <laughs> happening. So uh, while funny. driving away, Amelia falls out the window and onto the hood of the car. Andy, you laughed, so I got to pass it to you here. That was one of my favorite moments yeah. is them opening up the elevator door, seeing the violence and going, eh, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Going right back down. It's it's so great. Like I said before, that how they just call out like, you know, the you know, the protest, uh, you know, all these things that they just like in, in other movies or even Gosling breaking the glass with the towel wrapped around his hand. All these things that you see in movies or in real life where you just kind of go, oh, yeah, I accept that. But like, you know, most movies all the craziness is happening and our heroes are like, let's take them out. You know, they mm -hmm. jump in there. <laughs> so I thought perfect for them to be like, yeah, I don't think so. I think we're going <laughs> to, you know, back and we're going to rethink this, rethink our lives a little bit. It's so, such a good, uh, little perfect nugget of those characters. And it's such a, like, it was well-timed with the person going out the window as they were going down the <laughs> elevator. They yeah. like, okay, they're safe. Ah, falling next to them. <laughs> uh, but also, Zachy, this was a great way. I love when their movies are able to build up a villain in a way that feels natural but not heavy-handed. And John Boy has been built up at this point so well, where Blueface is like, "Hey, he's going to kill you and your family." Then you still don't see him, but you see the carnage he's creating. And John Boy, without even being on camera yet, is terrifying. Yeah, and, and I mean, when you think about it, it, the fact that he's introduced into the thing so late in the game, mm -hmm. that that itself is really kind of different. And yet, you're never like, well, where's this guy been, right? Like, we, other than as a spoken of presence, the fact that, and I think that that speaks to, to the performance as well. Uh, but, it, but it all fits. It all, it all fits with how the story is structured. Right, it's... Uh, this was, um, and you know, like I say, I love things that pay off and things that don't pay off, but there was something, there's some character development stuff that happened that I felt didn't really, didn't really, uh, go anywhere. And you, this is where you can tell me if I'm wrong or if, uh, I, I have a point here, hmm. the Holland's house, Holland, not being able to smell the house burning down him wanting to build a new one. 
but not getting to it and Holly reading in the lot. That didn't really matter, did it? Like you could have taken that out and still the same movie, right? Or am I mistaken? No, I think you're right. Especially the sense of smell was just funny. <laughs> like I right. don't think it ever like I, I was thinking that maybe that would have came up later, but it didn't. <laughs> so I don't really know. Yeah, and her reading. Yeah, I don't I don't think any of that stuff came up that, that I can think of. One thing that did come up is them talking about Unix and Ryan Gosling calls it Munich. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> oh, and one more thing uh, I wanted to mention too. I just thought was when they meet with, uh, I forget the name of her character, Kim Basinger's character Judith. when they're in their office. He's like, well, we're pretty expensive. So I don't know if you could afford it. She starts writing a check for 10 grand and he's like, we're going to do it for at least 5,000. And Russell Crowe's <laughs> like, yep. And then she's just like, all right, fine, idiots. <laughs> Again, just another very basic character beat that means like that it's kind of thrown away, a throwaway, but it's funny, but it also kind of like, yeah, they're idiots. They still can't get out of their own way mm-hmm. uh, in this movie. <laughs> the bartender scene was funny too, because what was the line? It was something like, what did he say? He'll or stop gonna... doing that. If, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Tell us and he'll stop doing that. Stop doing what? Bam. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there was the, the, this is me just nitpicking and being silly, but I highly doubt that the Burbank Airport Hotel has a penthouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, true. Maybe. Well, maybe it I'm did just... before this, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I was I was bummed when Gosling was wrong. I thought because his daughter was so mad at him. Russell Crowe was leaving, and he's like, "No, the FLT means flat, and this means this." And you're like, "Ah, see, he knows what he's doing." And then he was wrong. Say, <laughs> like, ah, man. But again, that's that's what makes it great is these little zigs and zags throughout, mm-hmm. where you're like, "Oh, he's he's got it." Oh no, he's he's still an idiot. He's, yeah. Uh, I, I also did like the conversation they had during that scene, Andy, where they were saying uh, where Jackson was like, yeah, this is where she is. Let's go get her. And Holland's like, no, 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 no. We know where she is. Hold on. We'll wait a few days. We'll go get another check and then we'll go do it. And you could kind of see how he's uh, again, just and Zachy, maybe I'll have you speak to this is just again, no matter how far along holland's character seems to come he's still the shady pi that's trying to squeeze every little drop out of people instead of just doing his job yeah well i think i think that's what's so great is the character is constructed so clearly right from the beginning that him suggesting that it just feels entirely appropriate Mm -hmm. and you're not even like oh come on man you're like no that's that's holland that's that's just who he is you know, yep. and, 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 and the, the, uh, you know, the, the bit where he, he falls asleep in the car and, um, oh, yeah. uh, the, where he thinks that Jackson has an ankle gun <laughs> and he like that, that to me, I'm like, man, this is genius. It's so funny, but it's, it fits so perfectly. It, it, it it's I all fantastic. Well, well, we'll talk about it here as we say. Uh, was it a bee in the backseat or a fly when he was dreaming? Was it a giant fly? I think it's a bumblebee, right? It's bumblebee. a bee. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, so, yeah, because he's scared of one later, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they actually they bring Amelia to Holland's place, where she explains that she was making an experimental film that may have had some porn elements, 
But the story was about exposing her mom, Judith, for working with the catalytic converter people and not actually prosecuting them, which is why Judith is killing everybody. Tally calls Holland and says that Judith needs $100,000 and Tally thinks Judith might be up to something. So Holland says that he has Amelia and Tally asks Holland to carry the $100,000 uh, for her because she's scared to. So Holland agrees. While driving to the destination, Holland falls asleep in the car, causing a crash and all the fake money to come out, exposing that the fellas were just being lured away from the house. Back at Holland's house, John Boy shows up pretending to be a doctor, but Holly sees through it and grabs the gun from the kitchen. John Boy throws Jessica out of a window before <laughs> going to his car and grabbing a machine gun from the trunk. And we have a shootout that eventually causes Amelia to run away. But before she does get away, John Boy shoots her in the street and yeah. kills her. Uh, so, uh, Andy, this is where we kind of get the little bow tied on what the act what is actually going on here this is a film trying to expose the department of justice for doing wrong uh but there's porn elements for commercial reasons as uh, as she says it's so funny too they do such a great job of like i love the dialogue in this movie when they bring amelia to the house and the this i, I guess i didn't notice it until we're talking about it but he the the kids in this movie get like some really funny lines because the friend Jessica he comes in he's like Jessica your sister's a slut and she says I know <laughs> something <laughs> like that it's so funny but and then them talking to you know it's like the serious situation they're trying to figure out what's going on with Amelia and then I think Holly says like I like her dress and <laughs> Gosling says something like yeah it's a nice dress but anyway you know so I think it's just they like keep you in this crime filled uh you know who done it kind of thing and then they throw some comedy back at you it, which is such a great you know uh duo like to have the comedy and like kind of like the you're trying to solve like a mystery um super fun so yeah this whole scene this whole part was was great what I did love about it, too, is it did tie everything together with this is why all the talk about smog and everything has been going on is because catalytic converters are to to blame here but uh, zach you alluded to this uh dream sequence that happened and <laughs> this was it was interesting because when it happened i felt like this feels out of character for the movie but it also played in as we see later as you mentioned with the gun and the ankle yeah. uh and so much of it was stuff that goes oh wait was that the dream or was that <laughs> real which is exactly what holland is thinking and i thought that was a great way of putting the audience in the shoes of holland Oh, totally. And it, and it's, it just speaks to something. I mean, I'm sure that I know that's an experience I've had where I'm like, did I dream that, yeah. you know, and like having a conversation with somebody and it's like, did we actually go do that thing? You know? And so it, it's so, it's so normal. And it, within, within the world of the film, I, I, going back to what you were saying before, where, you know, they've created, it's like, it's like heightened reality. Right. So, so the bumblebee shows up in the backseat and there's a party that's like, <laughs> is this too far? I'm not sure. Right. So, mm -hmm. so making it a dream sequence, you're like, okay, that makes sense. And then it leads to the comedic bit that he's actually falling asleep. And then it's, again, it's just seeding to me. It's just seeding the ankle holster gag, which is just like, to me, one of the funniest things in this movie. <laughs> yes. So uh, well, funny. And that's what I do like about this. And that's why there's a lot of notes uh, that I have to go through, but I feel like so much happens but one thing really does lead into the other here in this movie. And so there's a lot of little things that happen, but so and, many and, of these little things matter. 
Well, yeah, and I, I think it, there's not. I never found myself going like that's too many things. Like there's some movies huh. that you're just like, wow, that's a lot of stuff. You know, I got to remember and bits and stuff. Because even the Nixon thing was so funny about the two sides to the story. Like he's like, couldn't you just told me two sides of the story? You had to do the this old Nixon story, and then you know Nixon Nixon makes a cameo. So it's yeah. so funny because because you're just thinking it's like, oh yeah, there's a story, you know, that gossip yeah. plays off, and then it kind of comes back. And we've all been on both sides of that conversation, by the way, where you tell the story and the other person's not interested. Mm -hmm. And also you've been the one that's like, why didn't you just say that? <laughs> yeah. uh, and I do want to add, I guess the last part of this one is the shootout scene. And uh, Zach, we talked about John Boy earlier. I, he is fantastic as a terrifying hitman in this. And we talked about stakes earlier when he threw Jessica through the window. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was like, Oh my God, no one's safe. Cause you think kids are safe in movies like this. Right. And she was not. Yeah. And, and you can tell Matt Bomer is having some fun playing this role. You know I mean? This is a chance for him to kind of break out of like the charming smooth guy box mm -hmm. a little bit. And so, I mean, it, 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 it's fun to see him having fun, you know, and you know, th these actors, they always playing a, a flashy villain is always something they look forward to. He, he really makes a meal out of it. Yeah. So uh, after the shootout and everything, uh, we get back to Holland's home and Lily Glenn shows up and says she saw Misty in a pinstripe suit, the same suit that Jackson saw in the dressing room. And Holland realizes that Lily didn't see Misty. She saw a projection of Misty from the movie that Amelia must have been watching, meaning Amelia must have had a second copy and probably took it to the hotel to sell it to the businessmen as distribute for distribution. They find out that Amelia and Chet were planning on projecting the film at the auto show. So Jackson Holland go there and they get to the projection room where Tally arrives and pulls a gun on them. Holly throws cold coffee on Tally. And though it doesn't burn her, it does cause her to slip and knock herself out. Jackson finds Chet in a dumpster and Chet says the film was mixed in with the real film that's supposed to be playing. Meanwhile, David Keith uh, takes Holly and Holland to the roof where they fight and fall and Holland splashes and David Keith splats. Splats. I think it's the, Keith uh, David. Keith David. <laughs> David Keith. I, <laughs> David Keith is a different guy. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but, uh, it's so tough. Uh, couldn't you have just given this character a name? What a mini. <laughs> yeah, they never did, did they? No. Uh, the video starts Jerks. playing, exposing Judith and the Detroit car industry before a shootout starts. Holly tosses the film out a window, and Holland has a rough and tumble chase to secure it, while Jackson beats up John Boy and spares his life because Holly and the good guys win. In court, Ooh. Judith tells the duo that the Detroit will never lose, and there will be another just like her. And she's right. The car industry gets off scot-free. But there's no time <laughs> to think about it. The nice guys have a new case in Glendale to move on to. Uh, so this is kind of the everything tied up in a bow, Zachy. This was, to me, a perfect way to just – I feel like everything they built up paid off. And I, yeah. I was just very happy with the way this all turned out. Yeah, and well, and real quick, just the the the, the swimming pool uh, fall, which is hilarious as far as how Keith David exits, but it does feel <laughs> like that's that's Shane Black sort of tweaking himself because he wrote Lethal Weapon Two that has a similar fall out of a window into swimming pool, and just like, well, what if what if they don't make it into, or not everybody makes it into swimming pool? Like that's <laughs> that's a funny bit, you know. But yeah, no, what you're saying is so true. Like it it wraps up in this way where you get to just kind of like, Hey, we, we went on this great journey together. And 
And for as much as I mourn the idea that they never did anything else, it's like it, 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 we got this one and we can imagine all the great adventures that happen after. Yeah, this felt. Ex yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that I would have loved a sequel. But at the same time, again, I, I'm kind of glad they didn't do one that ruined it. And then maybe look back at this one poorly. Uh, but Andy, in this one, uh, again, we get lots of stuff happening here. And um, it all like, I, I don't know. It just it just ends. I don't really know if there's a whole lot for me to add. I, I do love that it's realistic in the end that they didn't take down the, the car industry. They didn't change the world much like they said, as he says earlier, the sun rises, the sun sets, but you still kind of feel good about it. Yeah. And, and some things came back again, like they show throughout the film that Ryan Gosling is going to bars during the day. He's irresponsible. He's drinking at that party. Him trying to ask about Amelia at that party is so funny. Mm -hmm. and here he is again he's i'm doing air quotes he's drunk again <laughs> and it's just a ploy that they they think he's drunk and then he's like duck and you i mean as a viewer you probably know he's just messing around being drunk but maybe not maybe you don't quite know so i thought that yeah. was cool for them to bring that back and you're like you might think oh god here he is he's drunk again but then he prevails uh and one thing I wanted to mention, I just thought was cool serendipity is uh, L.A. Auto Show. I'm going to the L.A. Auto Show today. So wow, <laughs> so happened that that was the movie I watched. And I was telling my wife, I'm like, oh, my God, they're at the L.A. Auto Show. We're going tomorrow. So, Are you going to be exposing any catalytic converter? I'm going to think about it now. I'm going to uh, be looking around. One of my favorite bits from this whole scene is and I love that they call it out. And Zachy, this is something you've mentioned before, where they call out certain things is I love how. Uh, Russell Crowe is like, did you fall again? He's like, yeah, I think I'm invincible. That's the only, <laughs> that's the only explanation because all this stuff keeps happening and he does keep surviving. Yeah, I like that he's called out like, yeah, I don't think I can die. I think yeah, he's falling because it's like right after that he got shot in like in the canister of the film canister, to, like and that protects right. him and he falls again and like things keep happening but he never gets hurt. Uh, well, he gets hurt but he doesn't get injured i was uh, just thinking <laughs> speaking of getting thrown through glass when jessica gets thrown through glass when we see her again is she even like bloodied or anything she seems just like bummed out like <laughs> well, i'd like, be bummed out too if i got thrown through <laughs> yeah <laughs> but wouldn't you be like cut like you know your face would be all cut up she's just kind of like ah oh, man <laughs> that would have been a kind of a fun callback if if holland was to be like you went through glass and you didn't get cut huh <laughs> uh I did think, though, the bee, because he did get scared by the bee at the end, and I just want to pose this to, to either of you guys. Was there something that built up? Was it just the dream and then the bee at the bar? Or was there another bee issue that was I, I missed? I didn't understand the connection to bees in this one. Like, was he ever stung, or did something happen mm. with the bee that like made it I so didn't even know it was a bee in the backseat till today, so <laughs> oh. I thought it was yeah, a I, fly. I, I, yeah, I don't think so. I think, I think uh, what you see is what you get, yeah. Well, it's still it's still fun, so I'm okay with it. Uh, but that does it for the show. Zach, you get the last word, so we're going to kind of go around the horn, though, and get everyone's final thoughts. Again, this is one that, Zach, you said at the top, you wish more people had seen it. I do, too. This was really fun to go back and watch. I was thinking you could turn this into a TV series. You could do a sequel movie. I just love the setup and the world that they, they've created here. Uh, and I think if they did a sequel today, you still could. I mean, oh, just yeah. say it's... 10 years later or whatever, but I really love this. And I love getting to go back and view it. This was a really fun one for me. Uh, Andy, what did you think? 
Yeah, I agree with what you said. And the characters are so good in this. Like the whole time I was just like chuckling and like really enjoying like the writing of it as well. And Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling, just them two together along with the the daughter. Um, what was her name again, Zachy? The daughter of Gosling. Oh, uh, Angry Rice? Yeah, she's so good. Just the three of them. Like I would definitely... I. I was kind of like bummed knowing the movie was coming to an end. I'm like, ah, I, I like their adventures, you know, the three of them. So I would have loved to have seen a sequel. But yeah, you never know. A sequel might have not panned out as well. But it is funny, though. I think maybe it is just the title, like the title Nice Guys just didn't really, I don't know, I guess wasn't that memorable. But yeah. I, I don't know if that was the, the issue or maybe it just didn't get enough, uh, you know, marketing or whatnot. But it was great. I really wish more people would have saw it. Yeah, well, hopefully they do now. Uh, but Zachy, <laughs> any uh, any final thoughts on this one as we wrap it up? Uh, well, if if uh, anybody listening to this uh, has has seen this but not seen other Shane Black films, I would highly recommend Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is oh, yeah. kind of uh, it's like a perfect one two punch between the, these two movies. If you, you want to look at and and Hell Throne, the first Lethal Weapon, you get like a trilogy of great buddy movies. Yeah, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, I watched uh, years ago now, but it was uh, I had no idea what it was, and I just kind of randomly rented it, and I was blown away by how much fun that one was. Uh, Speak, speaking of that, uh, so Val Kilmer is in that. Um, Val Kilmer's son was Chet in this movie. That's right. I didn't re- I didn't realize that until I was like curious about that kid. I'm like, who's this Chet guy? <laughs> I th- actually, uh, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Val Kilmer's son also narrated a documentary about Val Kilmer called Val that's on Amazon Prime, which if you haven't seen it, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. It's fantastic because it's he uh, uh, Kilmer, he filmed his career. He would go around with like a, his own personal camera throughout his career, you know, so you get these great behind the scenes uh, vignettes and his son speaking as his father is talking through it. It's, it's very uh, moving. Yeah. I got to see that. I've been hearing about it. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I definitely have to check that out. But that does it for uh, that. That does it for this this episode. Uh, but before we go, Zachy, we like to play a little game. Well, Andy plays the game. Basically, we just want to see if he can do six degrees of Kevin Bacon with okay. someone from this movie. I feel like this is going to be an easy one, Andy. Uh, but can you do it? Yeah, it is pretty easy. Yeah, Ryan Gosling is in uh, Crazy Stupid Love with Kevin Bacon. There you go. <laughs> Ding, bang, quickie. boom. Easy. <laughs> Uh, so that does it for this episode. Uh, we go to 2017 for the next one where we're going to review baby driver. Then 2018, where we're going to chat about into the spider verse. And then 2019, once upon a time in Hollywood. I feel like we got a bunch of crime movies with a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, Love it. Uh, should be fun one. Uh, my name is Jack farmer. You can find me at real Jack farmer across all social media. Andy, where can the world find you and everything you're working on? Yeah. You can find me at just Andy Rossi and Zachy. Thank you so much for being on. This was a really fun one. I loved having your input, but for everyone who is finding out about you for the first time, where can the world find you and all the other stuff you're working on? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter uh, for the time being at, at Zachy's <laughs> Corner. That's the A-K-I-S Corner. And I have uh, preemptively been saving that uh, handle on other social media apps. So if you look around Instagram, et cetera, et cetera, you can, uh, I'll be on Twitter for however much longer that's a thing, which I guess, <laughs> I, guess yeah. I guess it's up in the air. Let's see how TBD. well this comes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and of course, I'm, I'm at the San Francisco Chronicle where 
uh, I have a review of the movie Devotion up right now, and coming up, I have an interview with Warwick Davis and Jonathan Kasdan about the new Willow series on Dang. Disney Plus. Speaking yeah. of Val Kilmer, the new Willow yeah. series, uh, but right. I don't think he's in it though. Uh, but uh, in any case, I was trying to tie it together. He's a member in the, in the series. He's member. He's mentioned constantly. So uh, Willow, one of my childhood favorites. By Matt Mardigan was like was a, a favorite of mine in the day. But that does it for us, Aki. Again, thank you so much for taking the time and being on the show. Thank you to everyone who has watched. That does it for us, and we'll see you all again next year. <laughs>